we get out? Can we get on? Can we get on? And maybe can we go long? Can we go home? Never before. Can we find the life that he don't want anymore? Well, I don't wait to wander and so Can we be lost when we got nowhere to go? Put it in gear. Nothing to fear. Start singing along, my darling. Come over here. just a bunch of tech geeks, mm. right? What were you sharing with me this morning that tech geeks, this is a, probably a little bit unnecessarily controversial, but they're the ones that spike people's drinks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was saying, like, you have to imagine that the people that are climbing in these organizations, Google and Instagram and Facebook, you know, especially the mid-level, like, marketing managers... And VPs, you know, they're the fucking frat boys that were putting roofies in everyone's drinks in college. Let us not forget that. You know, it's not impossible that a frat boy intern was responsible for creating this copy. And that even we don't even need to take it to that extremity to acknowledge the fact that these are human beings that were probably in a sorority or fraternity or killing brain cells very in, in some very recent past in their lives. They are not some superhumans 
they're not even medical professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and rants. So what are these facts? That okay, to can we define those? facts? How do we uh, define a fact? I think this is important because this is a something we all need to become discerning of in our culture, in our society, is not taking language at face value because so much of marketing and advertising is about manipulating language to create an emotion or felt experience. Now, what's really interesting is, um, before I get into this, just really quickly to circle back to a conversation we had yesterday, a friend of mine was chatting on Instagram and they had mentioned that they had recently received the, I didn't even know there was more than one vaccine that you needed to get, but they had received their first COVID vaccination and I simply asked what motivated them to get the the vaccination to which they responded um, my family motivated me and I feel a strong sense of social responsibility responsibility what does this mean Chase social responsibility well you asked a lot of questions here like what does facts mean what does social responsibility mean what does essential mean what does social distancing mean like what does science mean when people say I believe in science just to your general point there's so many words that people throw around without us really knowing what they mean but what is without us even inquiring what we mean when we say them but what does social responsibility mean I mean I have no frigging clue what social responsibility means I presume that when someone says that that they are talking about doing the right thing that is in agreement with the society that I live within and this is we will circle back to the facts thing because this is going to be funny but um, this is so interesting to me because that that social responsibility like the, those words put together elicits a feeling of belonging I would say as a person a sense of connectedness to the community and that is really root chakra um, very deep human need stuff that we're talking about so if you are you know, when we're talking about individuation or honoring your sovereignty, as far as if we're looking at the energetics of a chakra system, right, that actually comes later on. The root and the sacral are like the very first things that you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We're talking about food, shelter, like your basic needs being met. So to me, it feels highly manipulative that we use these words to really play on these deeply subconscious fears of individuals who seek belonging and seek a sense of connectedness to their community. Because if you want to be a little bit of an outlaw like you and I, so to speak, right, where we just don't give a fuck about that stuff, like we're choosing not to belong within that society and there's a risk in that. There's a risk in that because we're immediately being rejected. We're immediately receiving judgment or we're being separate from the from the group. So I think it's really praying whether there's an awareness around this or not from the people creating this these language using language in this way that if you don't belong then who are you which begs a deeper existential inquiry that we're lazy as humans and don't want to do that work yeah yeah I think you're right you know I'd add just that you know 
the root chakra and the sacral chakra, to your point, they're subconscious and a personal level. These are speaking to a lot of the wounds that we have when we're pre-verbal as children. You know, so for men, these are the wounds, the things that come, you know, in circumcision and that sort of stay, this kind of abandonment and physical abuse that is deep and misunderstood within your psyche and um, so many things. I mean, so many children, like these are all the wounds of neglect and abandonment that happen around birth and the process of coming into this world and in your first couple of years of life, if not months. So it is something really subconscious, it seems. And I would probably guess that there is a real intention around speaking to people's fear, you know, hooking onto people's fear of not belonging with the people who are using this, these words in, in this sort of marketing campaign. But, um, but yeah, people are really afraid and I think it's normal to be afraid of not fitting in. I mean, we all have, if anyone believes in inherited trauma and it seems like, you know, based on how we talk about, um, the oppression of groups and certain types of, of humans that we do believe collectively in inherited trauma, you know, whether that's women or certain ethnicities. And so if that trauma is in our lineage, then we're all sort of, we're all part of a persecuted group at some point. We've all lived through the persecution of one religious group or one ethnicity or another at some time. So I think that we all are carrying that fear to your point of that trauma of witches being burned or the Holocaust or, you know, Lutherans being killed or whatever it is. So, yeah, this idea of social responsibility, I mean, what it makes me think of is this, you know, this for the greater good chant that is like almost horror film-esque in, in how creepy it is as it's been used as the basis of almost every genocide that we can observe in history um, for the greater good, for the greater good, my social responsibility, my social responsibility. And I think it really speaks to agreements within a society that we haven't inspected, we haven't inquired to, into. Um, so what are we responsible to? Yeah. And it, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, can we not only truly be responsible to ourselves? Period. Like, agreements, I think, is a really interesting thing to bring up because in being responsible for another, there's an agreement. And I think what fascinates me with language like social responsibility is... Um, Well, there's a, I mean, to your point, and I, I'm sorry to butt in, but this is coming to me. There's a presumption that there was some contract or agreement made and in, inherent in that language, social responsibility. And yet we're not even sure the agreement that we're talking about. And we certainly didn't consent to it in most cases. It's just been inherited and therefore it's presumed. And uh, at least for someone like me, that doesn't jive. Yeah. It's like, and we're also averse to the process of negotiation in our lives. We are. We are. And 
it's very interesting just to bring in human design really quickly. We've got half the population of the world which are emotionally open and half the population which are emotionally defined. And, I mean, I'm not going to get into the nuance of that right now, but the not-self or the misaligned use of the emotional center energy is all about avoiding conflict, avoiding confrontation. So in what I would make an assessment that is we exist in a relatively immature emotionally immature society we have a great deal of aversion to conflict aversion to truth so rather than question or rather than you know ruffle a few feathers trying to get to the root of something where there's a resonance for you as an individual we're just more inclined to sweep it under the rug and go oh okay well I'm just gonna I'm just going to go along with the flow here. And just an addendum to that too, I think as as a human with a, a sense of self or a personality or an ego, however you want to describe this, what a nice little pat on the back to give yourself when you're being a quote-unquote socially responsible person. What a boost that is for your own ego. Yeah, it's such an ego boost such an ego boost and it totally feeds into this idea of superiority uh, makes you feel really superior to other people intellectually certainly and morally um, well, we've experienced that in the last couple of days here in Ahihi with some people that we've encountered who you know insist on only relating to us if their mask is worn or um, you witnessed an experience where the owner of the cafe yeah where you know a customer is sitting there enjoying their meal and the owner of the cafe had their their mask down below their nose and was talking to them from a decent distance but the, the customer who's not wearing their mask because they're eating insists that the cafe owner pull their mask up over their nose which to me is just fucking ludicrous. Because they in- engage with a lot of people. Right. And what's also funny is if she happened to be sitting down next to this woman and eating, she wouldn't need to wear her mask. Right. So none of that makes any sense to me. Well, none of it makes any sense to me either. But I want to loop back just briefly to this idea of social responsibility and these agreements because I think it's important that we understand the extent to which we have inherited a society that has a whole lot of agreements that have been made before we were born. And it's, I don't think, I think it's part of our work and part of our if we want to use this term social responsibility to go back to the negotiating table with the majority if not all of those agreements you know and we hear a lot of people talking about you know well chase don't people ask me chase don't you agree with the seatbelt law you know as they defend mask laws or don't you agree with the not smoking indoor law as they defend mask laws and mask mandates and whatnot and um you know to me that brings up a really good question it's like maybe i do but i have i inspected that enough to actually know and the answer is probably not just because we inherited a culture in in which there were all these laws like you must wear a seat belt you can only drink 
you know, once you turn this age, you, um, these drugs are legal, these other drugs are illegal. And so these are all social contracts that were made by men and women generations before us. And speaking of science, with a science that at this point, for a lot of these social contracts, are 50 to 100 years old. Not to mention how different they all are statewide versus nationwide versus globally. I mean, think about, you know, gun laws in the States versus Australia, for example. And these are, again, depending on what community or tribe you've been born into, you inherit these agreements. Yeah. And I think as men and and women, it is our responsibility in community to go back to the drawing board with a lot of these contracts. I'm not pointing out seatbelts and smoking indoors as things that I care strongly about and think we need to renegotiate, but psychedelics, for example, that's something that's on the table now, and I think a lot of these other things, we need to be taking responsibility to negotiate them ourselves, and it's not enough that we continue to outsource that or continue to say just because we came into a society that agreed upon that, that that agreement still holds for our lives, but that still resonates with the trajectory that we want to create for our community. What I really hear in all of this is just the, um, the importance or weight that we give inspecting, investigating, and questioning those agreements. Um, for they are predominantly arbitrary, a great deal of them, and to highlight the potential arbitrariness of particular agreements we've made, and this has nothing to do with COVID or smoking or whatever, but I was speaking to a friend yesterday who looked into where did daylight savings even come from, and from her investigations, she found that a man who had a habit of um, studying bugs after work would could have really benefited from the extra hour of daylight after he finished at the office. And so we have this daylight savings thing, which is in some states or some countries and not others, and it's just this very unusual arbitrary rule that harks back to this fellow's preference. Well, and to that point, I mean, oftentimes they're arbitrary, but but even more often, at least in most of the examples I know in the United States, they are to the benefit of some corporate interest. I mean, they, they benefited some lobby group at the time. Um, so that's another good reason for us to inspect these. What was the true intent around a, a lot of these things? And I, when we start to talk about COVID and what we're looking at in societal health, right now, I think that's a super important thing to consider. What is their intent behind this? And just to just to like my last point on this, I think is that it's the process is missing. The process of agreement, of coming to agreement. We haven't had that process. We haven't experienced that process to my knowledge. You know, in individual communities, even in counties, even at state levels. 
And you can say, well, the government takes care of that process. And I say, hell no, the government doesn't take care of this process. This is a society's decision, and there's a distinct difference between society and government. The necessity for government only exists when the society fails to negotiate themselves the terms by which they live. And that is the key. It starts with the society. And isn't it interesting, last time we spoke about what's happening at this um, governmental level or collective level is often a little uh, keyhole into what traumas or issues we're facing individually. And we have spoken about this recently, but what I feel, and not to put words in your mouth, but we have discussed this, is that there's this um, codependent relationship going on between society and the government where we're really just playing out this... um, the government knows best for us. They're kind of playing the role of mum and dad, like do as I say, not as I do. And we, as the collective children, are just bowing down to that and accepting that as truth. Right. Yeah, totally. And it's and it's either that mom and dad, child, codependent kind of relationship or even like the emotionally abusive codependent relationship where the man is just denying the woman's experience and telling them exactly what to do with their lives and and she as best she can you know is succumbing to all of the psychological traps that go along with that Stockholm syndrome loving your abuser not being able to leave them because you become financially dependent or otherwise on them you know all of these dynamics that we would see in that kind of codependent relationship yeah financially dependent on government handouts um uh being gaslit in the sense that you know questioning your reality if you believe something else is true someone's very quick to say you're spreading misinformation yeah denying your reality people saying that you know denying your adverse reactions to vaccines or denying your experience with covid or denying your interpretation of data um so all of that sort of denial gaslighting is present yeah Because at the end of the day, we must remember that we are all human. The government is a collection of human beings, just like you and I, who we are all walking through this human experience. Walking, farting, belching, wondering, crying. (laughs) You know, like, it, it is because we assign a group of people and pedestal them that we give our power away to another. As soon as we, yeah, put someone on that pedestal, then it's creating that dynamic. Like mum and dad, we look up, and this is a natural phenomenon as children, we look up to our parents as divine, as gods, as... Yeah, we need to recognize these are not parents. These are not parents. They are just other adults. But on some level, are we playing out this funny relationship in order to satisfy or justify the lack of love or care that we may have received as children in our own family dynamic i'm sure i'm sure it is i mean i I bet at an individual level like this is 
Yeah, what's happening on an individual level, we're seeing at the collective level. Yes. So there's a whole lot of codependence individually that we have to heal. Yes. Um, and and all are, of us are on that journey together. And we won't be healing it so long as we continue to look to sources outside of ourselves for what is true and correct for us as an individual. Which what is true and correct for you is different what is true and correct for me is different for every single person on this planet. Yep. So how can a body of, call it science or government or whatever, Well, how can a body of, you know, tech execs running Instagram become the authority for any human being mm. on their health decisions. And I find it interesting because, you know, every year we have a mutation of influenza or something like this and we don't see Instagram getting on board going, okay, guys, here are the facts about the current flu virus. It really makes you wonder what's special about this to them. What's going on for them? What okay. What I mean, do they have to do? Wonderful and sexy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's do this. So, facts. These are the facts listed by Instagram. So, the I mean, source, the source, okay, yeah. it says here is the World Health Organization. Organization. Which so, is if, not if, a scientist. No. And if, <laughs> and if, well, but they are like a very large, powerful body in the world. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but if, the, if, the World Health Organization is responsible for this copy. Like, you guys need to <laughs> copyright it because this is poor. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's share a little bit. Okay, vaccine side effects are rare and usually mild. This is this is a what would you call that? That's like a heading. That's a heading. That's a heading. Okay, let's click on that heading. Click on the heading because this is a fact. This is a fact. Okay, and they Vaccine. support their fact with, fact with this. Okay. <laughs> they support their fact with this copy. Vaccines help protect the body from certain diseases. Like any medicine, they can cause minor, short-term side effects while the body adjusts to them, such as a sore arm or a mild fever. More serious side effects are possible, but extremely rare. A person is far more likely to be seriously harmed by a disease than by its vaccine. So, I mean, I would just say that whoever wrote this doesn't understand what a fact is. <laughs> um, those sound like generalizations. They those do sound, sound like, like extrapolations. Those sound like analysis. Because but this I is don't the read... COVID-19 information center. That yeah. sounds pretty important, doesn't it? Well, and when you present it as facts to people, I mean, a lot of responses that I get when I've spoken up about COVID have been, well, Chase, what about the facts? And and mostly people respond to me as saying that and then are incapable of giving any facts. I mean, I think we need to know what facts are. And this, for me, I mean, I don't know how you're emotionally receiving this, but when I go to the information center and it says vaccine side effects are rare and usually mild as a headline, I would assume that I might actually receive more information about the current vaccine that everyone's super into right now right. Um, and about its side effects. 
more specifically as opposed to some generalization that could come from a fucking high school textbook when we're talking about what the fuck is a vaccine in biology. Yeah, it seems like the intent here is really to minimize any discussion mm. about what is unique about the circumstance. Cool. So here's another heading. Okay. Vaccine trials involve a, dis- a diverse range of volunteers. Okay. Yeah, let's hear more. Okay. Um, it says, in clinical trials, people volunteer to take and test the vaccine. Just the vaccine. See, already I'm pissed off because I feel like they're talking to me like I'm a fucking two-year-old. These volunteers should be from diverse geographic areas, racial and ethnic backgrounds, genders and ages. They should also include people with underlying health conditions and put them at a higher risk for the disease. This helps ensure that the vaccine is safe and effective for everyone. Okay, so I don't know who's telling me this. I don't know the what World Health Organization apparently. I don't know what facts they have to back that up because even though their Instagram is telling me that this is a fact, they have no data. No, and it says should, which anytime the word should is used, well, sounds like an interesting generalization. It does. If if that in fact happened, <laughs> they wouldn't need the word should. No, they would in fact have some sort of <laughs> concrete should is a big red flag. Example of <laughs> that you actually didn't do what you're about to say. So none of this really shares any kind of data or sample size. And let's be clear, when a tech company and their little marketing department gets together to put this little app together, um, they think about every single word that is in here and their intent. That's how these groups have worked, historically, at least when I was And look at the icon for this. That looks really diverse to me, don't you think? <laughs> we just have a white man and a white woman symbol as the uh, icon for diversity. Just, no, no comment. Just, I'm not allowed to comment. That's okay. I just, I just find that interesting. Yeah. Okay. Interesting to me. It's funny though, come on. Vaccine trials involve a diverse range of volunteers and they just have. It's just a white man. And and a white woman! Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which the irony that we are both a white man and a white woman is not lost on me, but let's just call it as it is. Okay. So our bases are covered. The vaccine's safe for us. It's safe for us. (laughs) Not that we want to do it, but. Oh, it's Monday. There's free vaccines. Okay. Um, cool. Here's a good one. I'm just, let's, I don't even know what this one is. You won't be able to make the COVID-19 vaccine at home. Oh, okay. Well, I, I hope they're dispelling a lot of misinformation with this one because I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about how to make the COVID vaccine at home. Okay, it says vaccine development is complicated. Mm. Technical processes that can't be done at home. Right. It involves extensive laboratory testing, followed by clinical trials involving thousands of volunteers. 
vaccines must be approved in a country by expert doctors and scientists. It just makes me sick, really. <laughs> it makes me sick. I think this is fascinating. Okay. I just don't understand what... So here's what a fact is. What is a fact? fact is usually what we consider data. A fact is something that has been repeatedly um, experimented with and tested to be true, like the sun well, yeah. will rise in the morning until the sun explodes into a supernova. Sure. Or like we will die. That's a fact. So, yeah. That is... That's a fact. And to your point, it's... Well, we don't know if we'll die. That's not a fact. That's a theory. But, you know, a fact, to your point, is still just a bunch of anecdotes. And when we have enough anecdotes that we measured something and observed something, then we reach a certain tipping point. Measured something in a controlled environment? Is this, I mean, I'm being scientific about that, but is this not how we kind of extrapolate some kind of factual information? That's, I mean, we sort of developed the scientific theory to, in order to have facts. Yes. Right? So really facts are kind of ambiguous in the first place, but I would assume there would be a lot more information. Well, you sort of, when we talk about facts, we're usually talking about data. What's been measured in controlled circumstances repeatedly, and so here, what we get from Instagram, of an experiment even. what we get from Instagram is none of that. No, I don't see any data. I don't see any data at all. So that's great. Thank you for your facts, on Instagram. I would say they're misinformation because they're actually not facts at all. <laughs> it is. Just let's do the last one. They're generalizations. Okay, yeah. COVID-19 vaccine trials are following safety and ethical standards. What would you assume to learn from that headline? Well, I would assume to hear about the specific um, standards that have been met by the specific uh, vaccines or inoculations or shots that are being offered to the public right now. Okay. Yes, and as a as a former journalist, I'll also just say that it's criminal when your headline misleads you, and then the body of the story has nothing to do with the fucking headline. Okay. I mean, we call this clickbait in the digital world, but yeah, she's uh, foreshadowing here, people. Just saying, I will be pissed if we do not see any demonstrated examples of. This COVID-19 vaccine trial, which happens to be following safety and ethical standards. Let's go. COVID-19 vaccines, like any vaccine, should follow standard development protocol to test the vaccine's effectiveness and identify any common side effects or safety concerns. This includes multiple stages of testing with tens of thousands of volunteers. Again, should... And like all vaccines, I mean, so essentially they haven't This given doesn't us, answer that question. It hasn't given us any assurance that they actually have followed ethical 
standards or safety guidelines none it just says that COVID-19 vaccines like any should follow some kind of protocol I don't see any example of that protocol being followed in this no none whatsoever I mean to me I cannot read that and think anything I'm not sure how you would think anything other than you're being intentionally misled by that language, by the inconsistency between the headlines and the descriptions, by the lack of data, by the use of this word should repeatedly. Interesting. 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 I'm just, I'm fascinated by the, I think intention and intent is such an important um, part of how we move through the world individually and collectively I'm just curious what the intent here is between you know the COVID-19 I feel like calling it a brand and the World Health Organization and Instagram like it sounds like a brand partnership doesn't it it certainly is a brand partnership (laughs) I mean I think we know that there is partnership going on between these social media companies and these organizations and then right below it, it's like recognized health organizations. You might like to follow the World Health Organization on Instagram. Right. So, I mean, yeah, what compels... Listen, so a year ago, right, Instagram, theoretically, was just the social media company. And they had some interest in, like, ensuring that nefarious things weren't done on their platform and some coordination with governments to that extent but all of a sudden to see them in this way really intentionally controlling the narrative and what is their intent I mean I think of a company like Google and they have this slogan which is do no evil I think really Uh uh-huh and, you know, Instagram may have some sort of similar ethos. Because when I look at these tech companies, there is a real possibility. When I think about the 20 and 30-year-olds who are working in these tech companies, who are good human beings, who just want to get a paycheck, who probably have all their codependency issues, who haven't resolved their mommy and daddy issues because they've been too busy distracting themselves with an urban lifestyle. And because we're all human and because we're all human (laughs) and and there they are getting a nice little ego boost that they're doing good for society by trying to what collect big data on their boss walks behavior and exactly their boss walks into the office one morning and says listen there's this pandemic and we're on the front lines people we can make a difference. We can save lives. But to save lives, we need to make sure that people are following the World Health Organization. And then all these people go to work in this multinational, you know, tech company with that intention and with that limited information. And their days are just full. Now they're working 70 hours a week to save lives based on just whatever their one source, the Human Health Organization, says sells to them. Which, oh, pardon 
me. And they're putting all of that energy towards something, but we're not really sure what they're putting their energy towards. And we just read the co the copy from the source that is the World Health Organization, none of which is rooted in any kind of fact or data. Yep. That's and right. what's and I mean you've had this on your Instagram posts where you've shared your opinions, which as a human being on this planet, as a man of Earth, you are a hundred percent entitled to do. And yet you've had the little whatever that fucking sticker thing that comes up because you've mentioned the word vaccine or alluded to some other alternative yeah. way of considering this information. Yeah. Um, and it's instantly been branded with four official COVID-19 information, go here. Right. Don't listen to Chase Wildly because, you know, he's just he's just one man with his opinion and apparently you're spreading misinformation. Savage heathen. Yes. That he is. Chase Wildly. How dare you have an opinion, Chase, that goes against the common narrative. Right. Who yeah. do you think you are? Who do I think I am? I think I'm a sovereign man. I think I'm a man of earth, and I think, I, therefore, I will speak my truth. Touche. That's what I have to say about that. Okay, we have to pay a toll here. Okay. We are paying 249 They really get you here. 249 pesos. In Jalisco. That is about, what, $12? Yeah. For, 12 US dollars. For what, just 30 minutes of road that we just... I don't know. Is this much. going straight into El Chapo's pocket? I don't know. It's it's a toss up. Who's more corrupt in Mexico, the gangsters or the government? I think they're in cahoots with one another. Yeah, probably. Probably. I get my information from narcos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in the United States, we know you know there's only one gangster, and it is the government. So. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, at least Mexico isn't trying to fucking dress it up in a way that's like, we're right. so good and we're so no. righteous. They're, They're a little like, bit like, eh. We are corrupt and you can know it and we're still going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Are that's we still authentic recording? to me. Yeah. We are. Okay. I can cut this off though. No. Yeah. Because we're on the way. We're on the way. We are on the way. We're on the way today from Ajiji. A small town on Lake Chapala in Mexico to uh, Puerto Vallarta, which is where we're currently based for the next couple of weeks until we are on our way elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And that destination is TBC. How do you feel about aligned brand partnerships? With pandemics? No, like I was just thinking this little gap in our, our conversation right now would be a great little spot to put in. Oh, I do not like them. We like to use this brand of thing. That's why I'm just asking. Maybe yeah. we don't even go down that route at all. I think we shouldn't. I'd like not to. Because anytime there's advertising or partnership involved, I think it immediately can 
compromise the potential integrity of an offering. I agree. Hola. Gracias, amigo. Buen día, gracias. Gracias. So, great. Can we just agree here on out that everything we create, we won't... I think that's a really powerful thing to do, and I'm so down to do it. Yeah, I'm so down to do it, too. That... Now, my question, though, is, and you might have an answer to this, uh, what happens when, you know, what if we create something bigger here that we need other people to help us sustain it like people to edit our content and manage all of that will we just use our own money to like continue to support this thing I'm okay with that well I think I'm okay with that too and then I would say that like I imagine a world in which you know people begin or Patreon giving community. giving more to things that they appreciate that you know whether it's through digital currency or just uh, saying like patreon just donations donations that we are moving towards a, a model where that is um cool so we can accept donations from people who want to support our creations yeah. and conversations and we will not ever reluctant to use the word ever yeah. but I really just don't it's something I've never felt comfortable with it's something I've never felt comfortable with either I certainly don't want to fucking interrupt the podcast halfway through with an advertisement that annoys the hell out of me and I would never want to do that to anyone ever I think about like everyone on these like health podcasts uh, or like shut up Sakara I know or right? I don't know most of it it's, it's so targeted towards the fucking states too if you're not in the states you can't, can't buy get those shit. things yeah. so fuck that so I like butcher box I, I want to appeal to a global audience right me too alright do we have anything else to add about any of these things that we've been talking about how did we start this discussion what were we talking about social responsibility social responsibility and the Instagram with the fucking the facts about COVID from the World Health Organization. Who do you think you are? How do you get to the point in your life, in your psyche, in your ego, in your relationship to your ego, that you think sitting in an office in San Francisco or in Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, that you somehow, even with your limited knowledge of your own being, take a moment to reflect on that how do we arrive at a place where you think that you can tell someone across the globe what they should know is relevant information what is relevant to them what is essential to them what is their truth about health and for you as an individual what part of you is too lazy to examine and question where you source your information from? Too lazy or too afraid or too comfortable. Because that's yeah. where, I mean, if we're speaking about sovereignty here, that 
fucking social responsibility. How can you be responsible for anyone else if you can't be responsible for yourself first? How can you? So if you're an irresponsible individual that hasn't any inclination to examine or question, that's like, say you're a parent and you have a child and you're just like, oh, and, and this has absolutely happened in the past. Any old food will do. Any old person will be fine to babysit sit, or take care of my child. I will put whatever it is into my child's body. I don't know. Does anyone think about this shit? I do. Well, yeah. And so... Don't I mean, this is Here's the thing with social responsibility. When you outsource... Responsibility to the society, to the social organism, you have given it up individually. So when you're saying, well, I'm not going to look into it myself because the society has already decided, or the, the pop, you know, the popular opinion has already decided, you have given away your sovereignty. Sovereignty and, and responsibility are one in the same minute you give away your authority about your health or your child's health, um, you've given away your sovereignty. And that's okay if some people want to do it, but the way that it's been doing, being done today without inspection is treacherous. Well, it's playing on, it's playing on this idea of accountability. Like, and it is, it's to circle back. I feel like we're kind of going around the same tree again here, but just the agreement, these uninspected, unexamined social agreements that we have been born into that we don't think to question, and then we quickly wrap ourselves up with a, a, a title or a role called social responsibility where we don't even pay attention to what we're being accountable to or who we're being accountable to. We're just under the guise or the belief that this is the best thing for everybody is to wear a mask, quarantine yourselves, don't hug, don't kiss, don't make love, don't go near an elderly person, don't go near anybody and get a vaccination. This will what ensure longevity, ensure your happiness, ensure a life well lived. I don't know what is the promise in all of this. It well, just yeah. sounds like it's a way to control people from living. Well, that's the thing. We've lost sight of the agreement. We weren't there when the agreement was made. So we're not even aware of what we're getting from these things that we've agreed to in most cases. I mean, if we think of taxes, it's just this presumed thing. Why am I paying taxes? Oh, well, you're paying for all the services that the government does. Well, what if I don't want those services? What if I don't want those services? Well, sorry, you live here, and that's the agreement for here. Well, I'd like to renegotiate that. Yeah. 
and that's that we need to understand that as society's right and that is as members of society our right and responsibility because it is our right it is our responsibility to renegotiate all of those based on our own truth and to ensure that we're getting back from it what we want i don't want someone else to take care of my safety because i know that it impinges on my liberty i don't want someone else to secure my you know my well-being or my health some hedge fund to hold on to your what do you guys call superannuation 401k yeah whatever that, I, that I is don't want like that. having the government that's another thing i've always found fascinating is like putting money away for retirement into some account that you are not allowed to access even though it's your own money that the government probably uses to like hedge its bets on with all kinds of other fucking things right. because isn't it true I don't, I'm just speculating so I don't actually know the details here but isn't it true that during the, the um, GFC that a lot of people missed out on their super investments or their 401k their retirement savings yeah. Because what's the GFC? The, the global financial crisis. Oh, maybe that's gotcha. what we called it. What did you call it? The economic turndown of 2007. Oh, the recession. The recession. Yeah. Whatever you want to fucking label it. But that time when. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Ben- Benanke. Old mate. All of these like Wells Fargo companies know. just were playing God with money and getting caught yeah, up in a yeah. nice big economic bubble where. Right. Anyway, whatever. We don't need to get into the details of that. Yeah, essentially the point is gambling is people's gambling people's fucking money. Fucking, yeah. And that's another <laughs> agreement that is prevalent in society. I know it's a thing in Australia. It's like you automatically have money taken out of your salary to go into an account which we call superannuation in Australia that you are not allowed to touch or access until you're reaching near retirement, which they then change what age that is. It was like 55 and then 60, and now 65. So basically, like, when I'm dead, How then I can access not servitude? my I mean, that's money. That's like the exact dem- definition of some sort And there's of no promise that I'm even going to get it. Yeah. Or that they'll gamble it away on some fucking Bitcoin or something. Right. I don't know. So you're born by being born on a land, you have thereby agreed to all of these social construct, contracts. I actually withdrew some of contracts. my money from that account because they allowed it in Australia when Good. COVID hit that you could take that money out. Good. So I took out the maximum I could. I mean, these are not, these are really nuanced issues, these issues of where government should end and where society should begin. But if we give away all of our rights as individuals, then there is no society. There's just government. And that's when tyranny and authoritarianism and, and genocides become commonplace. Because the society no longer has a say. The government is dictating to the society what social responsibility means. And it needs to be the other way around. And it, it you know, has been for as long as people have had some illusion of freedom. And if we want more freedom, if we want more diversity, if we want more expression of diversity in the feminine in our world, which we all seem to be 
hoping and claiming for, we need to take responsibility back for the negotiation of these contracts within our social circles and not outsource that. The thing, I mean, what's maddening to me is this concept of social responsibility has been defined by who? A, a small group in Washington, D.C., or a small group in Silicon Valley? How does that apply to Austin, Texas, or Ahihi, Mexico, or the Kogi in Colombia? Or it, it just doesn't. Those people can't be connected to that community to know what the social agreements of that community should be. That's why society drives the social agreements, and society is a is you know fractal. We have power, people. Yeah, we have power. We have power. Do you predict any kind of like anarchic uprising? For sure, for sure. I don't know how extensive it will be, though. I I predict that some people will act out in that way. Um, but I but that will always be a continuation. I think really of that. I think there will be revolution in the sense that there will be a re-evolution of society and community. And then there will be people who fight back against this control violently. And that'll be more like a French Revolution, you know? But as we But as we saw in the French Revolution, like that actually led to more control in obscured ways. You know, so that's the trap we need to not fall into again. The way we do that is we don't fight against these people who are trying to control us. We just create an alternative system and we remind them that they're public servants and they no longer work here. Yeah, it's like fighting fire with fire. We need to exercise our fucking sovereignty and and honor that. And that is to come in fully to your responsibilities. I mean, this is what people, like, as maybe you've experienced this too in your healing work, in order to rediscover your power, you have to take responsibility for your wounds and for your trauma and and for your feelings and for your thoughts. For the trauma you've inherited, it's not like some karma where it's like, oh my god, did I do some bad thing and like I've been punished because I endured sexual abuse in my life or psychological abuse or whatever the trauma is or that, you know, our ancestors endured the Holocaust or whatever it is. That's not anybody's fault, but it is our responsibility to accept the limitation of what it is to be an individual as a, as a human being and what can you do with that? Like, you, you, you're existing within this container and I, I have responsibility for that and I can choose. This is where choice is so important. I can choose to be a victim or I can choose to be empowered. That's our choice individually, and that's our choice collectively. I can choose to keep rewriting the old fucking stories that have existed in the past, or I can choose to write a new one. And our power only arrives when we acknowledge that the choice is ours. The choice is ours. The choice is our responsibility. What thoughts do we perpetuate? What identity do we perpetuate? What values do we perpetuate? What habits do we perpetuate? 
perpetuate. That's always our responsibility, no matter what happened in our past, no matter what we inherited, no matter what we came into. And that's just as important on a societal level for us to remember. We will feel disempowered until we take responsibility. And that's a harrowing thing. That's a scary thing. Oh, God, but it's a freeing thing and it's a liberating thing.